Here is a couple of headlines that crossed our desk in the last couple of days. Nearly nine out of ten Canadian jobs created during the pandemic were in the public sector. Report. And the next one was... Ottawa's hiring spree is beyond measure. That the headline to an article written by our next guest, Patrick Brathauer, is tax and fiscal policy reporter with the Globe and Mail and joins us from southern Ontario. Patrick, good morning and welcome. Good morning to you. Well, it's great to have you with us, Patrick. Let's talk about this hiring spree that you wrote so eloquently about in the Globe a few days ago. When did it start? Was it it at the beginning of the Trudeau era or was that a trend that was already in place? Coincidentally enough, it does seem to uh, track quite closely to the election of the Liberals. So uh, in the years preceding that, in the, in the final years of the Harper government, uh, the Tories were on a bit of an austerity uh, spree of their own. So they actually not only froze, but actually reduced the number of civil servants uh, in the core service to below 200,000. So that was about, about a 10% cut. Uh, but that was quickly reversed under the Liberals, and they've moved on from there. And so when they came in and decided that uh, the austerity regime with the Conservative, the Harper government, was definitely over, time to put our stamp on the civil service, let's bring in some new people. That was 2015, Patrick. That's, that's a lot of hires ago. When did they start to sort of supercharge the process? Uh, if you look at what, as the article you spoke so kindly about, there's a little graph in there, and it sort of shows the uh, the pace of hiring gradually accelerating until basically last year. Uh, now, it's still continuing on uh, and, in fact, hitting new highs. But, yeah, that, that sort of sort of uh, peak ramp-up appears to have sort of hit its, its top last year. But now we're continuing to grow and cracking on past a quarter of a million civil servants and for your readers uh, keeping track. Yeah, that, that's an increase of around uh, 33%. A third. They've increased the public service, the federal public service by one third in the past seven years. That's right. That's right. So let's, is it the pandemic? Because first of all, Patrick, we're starting to read now more as as the world sort of writes itself and workplaces uh, at least look to reacquaint themselves with each other and employers with employees and so on. Uh, we're noting uh, just uh, sort of uh, coincidentally that the vast majority of the Canadian uh, civil service, the public sector, is still working from home. Do you know this to be the case? Uh. I don't know about the percentage, but certainly a large proportion, and that is that's a key uh, a key bargaining point right now between uh, the Canada Revenue Agency and the government. That the Canada Revenue Agency is pushing for some very specific rules that would allow their work, you know, their members and the government's workers to continue to work from home. So, big unanswered question on that front is, you know, uh, particularly given some of the situations we're seeing at airports, waiting times at the CRA. Uh, passport offices. Sure. Is. How productive are you being if you're working at home? Are you really digging in for, for the full eight hours or, or not? You know, a question, I suppose, for everyone. But in this case, it's your dollars and my dollars that work. So we get to ask. And perfectly reasonable questions to ask, especially when it comes to a, a glaring. Uh, and, and this is the part where and I think I wrote you a note about this by way of trying to persuade you to join us for this conversation. <laughs> this is where public perception actually catches up with reality, because it's pretty easy to expand the civil service quietly, as has clearly and quite successfully happened. However, folks start to notice, Patrick, when we, we've, we, we know now we're, we've 
expanded. We're hiring more and more people to attend sure. to these important details, and yet the details continue to be, or at least appear to be, unattended to. We're still having a just a terrible time getting a passport and, and various other just ordinary taxpayer services provided by the government of Canada, the kind you expect because you're a taxpayer, still struggling to get some of the most basic functions of the civil service back to anything resembling normal. This with incredibly expanded staffing. How do you square that circle? Well, I, I think Canadians could understand two realities. One, if we were really pinching pennies and, and the civil service was understaffed and service levels were suffering, I think people would get that and say, okay, well, we can either accept that or fix that. Or if we'd spent a lot of money and really expanded the civil service and everything was humming along, people might say, well, maybe that's expensive, but at least, you know, we're, we're paying for gold-plated service, but sure. we're getting gold-plated service. But uh, paying for gold-plated service and getting poor service levels is one problem. The other problem I would point out is this hiring wasn't just in things like, you know, uh, for passports or at the borders or sort of services that Canadians could touch. It was pretty much every federal department, right. 53 out of 58. And the ones that didn't grow were generally pretty small. Um, you know, like the Copyright Board of Canada, you know, it was really on a big austerity push and it cut its 17-person staff in 2015 all the way down to 16 people in 2021. So that was one of the five federal departments that did not grow during the, so far during the Trudeau years. Five. So, so really we're talking about everyone hiring and it really... I think is in the context of the Trudeau liberal saying, ah, deficits don't matter. We're going to spend, uh, you know, they got rounds of applause when, uh, when they were elected, presumably because the civil service expected to happen exactly what happened, which is, you know, uh, you know, uh, the good times are back. Well, you know, that widespread uh, spending, I think that maybe is an even bigger issue. One of the things that have been picked up upon by media and, and observers is the tendency of the Trudeau government since COVID descended upon the world, Patrick, to treat the pandemic as, quote, an opportunity. And this uh, clearly is uh, noted simply by looking at the hiring numbers, uh, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. That is, it's a measurable metric, isn't it? It sure is. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the um, I think the Trudeau government has talked about this. You know, some people talk about it in darker overtones. I think a, a fair assessment is they've said, hey, you know, the pandemic really demonstrated that activist government works for Canadians, or at least you could make that case with CERB and, and other things. You could also make some counterpoints. But the point that Trudeau government would make is activist government works, so we should do more of that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, uh, and for instance, the expansion of Environment and Climate Change Canada would mm-hmm. be, I think, a good example of we're going to do more things and we need more people to do them. And, you know, fair. I mean, that's, that's a case you can make, and that's, you know, and that's a reasonable point. Uh, absolutely. Um, now, now we're moving on, uh, I think, a bit further past the early days of the pandemic when everyone was very happy for activist government. And now some of the costs of that activism are coming home to bear. I don't know if you've been to a grocery store lately, but that's where some of the costs are coming home to roost. That Those big dollars we splashed around in Canada and elsewhere in the world uh, have helped uh, push up inflation. So that, that largesse of 2020 is turning out to be a bit of a pain. 
in 2022. And there's a new so political dynamic at play, too, isn't there, Patrick, with uh, Mr. Poilievre now uh, uh, sitting across the aisle from the prime minister and with no uh, uh, reluctance at all is going to start pointing to the extravagance that this represents, too. Yeah, yeah you know, Mr. Poilievre was much mocked by the Liberals and by the finance, finance minister, Christopher Freeland, for warning about inflation in late 2020. But maybe not for all the right reasons, but he was right. Inflation was a problem. Inflation is a problem. Uh, so he has that, I think, um, uh, as, a, as a pretty salient point he can hit on. And every time Canadians, uh, you know, go to the grocery store, go to, you know, buy clothing, white goods, uh, I mean, they're going to they're gonna think about that. So that is, that's a, you know, a big problem for the Liberals. Obviously, they've unveiled some what they call inflation-fighting measures. They're not. They're cost-of-living uh, fighting measures for a narrow slice of the population, which is fine. Those are you know poor people. Certainly makes sense. But for the broader population, you know, inflation is a very painful reality, and the permanent increase in the cost of living that we're going to see is going to continue to be a problem straight through to 2025 or whenever the next election. No question about it. I was at the grocery store yesterday and actually complained at the checkout stand how much everything we bought costs more. Uh, by the way, let me tease your, your your most recent column, Patrick, because it too is is an eye popper. And it, the headline, friends, is tax and spend. Inflation could be history by 2025. It's political fallout won't be. The author of that, Patrick Berthauer, the uh, tax and fiscal uh, policy reporter with the Globe and Mail. Uh, Patrick, thanks ever so much for getting uh, for joining us this morning. We do appreciate it. Good to have you aboard. Uh, great to chat with you. Look forward to next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.